Hello, all you reinventors. This is Leslie Jane Seymour. I'm the founder of Covey Club and of this podcast. And here's a question for you today, which is what do you do when you're over 60? You have enough money to retire. You don't have to do anything else, but you love to create. You love working with people. You love beauty products. You love interacting and you like to work as hard now as you did when you were in your 30s and 40s well the good news is if you're marlene wallach um, you just continue and you start creating beauty products for uh, her company called gleambeauty.com and but she's had this long winding career through being at American Express in the foundation area to um, running, you know, and and owning part of the Wilhelmina modeling agency for a very long time. I think I'm going to say 17 years, something like that. And then you figure out what you're going to do next. She's not done as I always say to you, and this is my mantra, and I hope that you remember it. It ain't over till you say it's over. And I think that's what this conversation with Marlene shows is she's decided it is not over until she says it's over. And what's interesting is to to hear her talk about, she has a little bit of fearlessness in herself so she can get things done that maybe some of us actually get a little nervous about, but she's got some really interesting pointers about how to be persistent without being a pain. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Marlene and I will talk to you at the end. Hi, Marlene. Good morning. How are you doing today? On a day like this, it's hard to do bad. Oh, good. So where are you located? I'm in Manhattan on the 24th floor of my cityscapes. And you know, today's a gorgeous day. Oh, it always makes a difference. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. So let's start by talking a little bit about your past because your your present is so different from your past and that's what we're trying to get at. Um, Where did you grow up and what did you study? I grew up in Bayside, Queens. I went to Bayside High School and then I went to the State University of Buffalo um, where I studied music with some what were then called the New Music Composers And my first job was at Columbia Artist Management, working basically in a classical music management agency. And I then found my way to the American Express Foundation um, because they were sponsoring a 13 city tour of the London Symphony Orchestra. So there was sort of a, a leverage there to go from one to the next. I was at American Express for seven years, during which time I also got my MBA. And I called that experience my corporate college, (laughs) the corporate college experience, because I learned how it works. Not that it really helped me because I then went to do, I was involved with an IP, with an initial public stock offering of a motion picture company, Uh, the company, Uh, was headed up by my brother-in-law and I found my way. I wrote myself out in the business plan to Los Angeles because someone had to be out there doing what 
I was doing. And um, that was an interesting experience for me. I, I met my husband and I met the man I was to marry who became my husband. And um, he had a very interesting business. It was called the Film Stock Exchange. We would buy raw motion picture film from the back end of big pictures, big movies, and sell the leftover film to a low budget movie because film was expensive in those days as, as it still is. Um, then found my way back to New York. My husband passed away. He had a, a brain tumor, which um, was unexpected. He was completely fit and um, he had a brain tumor. So that was a very difficult time because I was basically by myself in Los Angeles, a place that I wasn't that familiar with. Um, but I made my way and ultimately, um, after a couple of trips back and forth to New York, I met my high school sweetheart and ultimately moved back to New York. And it was during my time in New York that I back to New York that I, uh, I wanted a business. I was always in business and I decided to at some point just open up the, the yellow pages. It was a different time. It was the nineties. I opened up the yellow pages and called every business broker in the book and they were selling laundromats and, 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 and gas stations. And, and I got a call back from someone who, said it was not his typical um, challenge, but he was selling a modeling agency and it was not Wilhelmina, but through a network, uh, my lawyer got me in touch with the owner of Wilhelmina and we entered a 50-50 a a partnership and I stayed in that partnership for 17 years. What happened was <clears throat> um, I lived through four different presidents at Wilhelmina during that time. And at a certain point, I just said, I've had it. And I unwound that relationship. It was the fourth guy I had to deal with um, and his priorities. Well, it was time for me to deal with my own priorities and I left. And when I left, I really didn't know exactly what I was going to do. So I just started doing what made sense to me. First, it was to leverage the, um, the books I had written, my Just Ask Marlene books. I had written a collection of uh, books oriented toward tweens. And then I sort of started thinking about what really interested me. And it was about opening a med spa because from my days at Wilhelmina, it was so obvious that everyone had skincare problems. And there was no one, one, one product that I felt really comfortable recommending because everyone, you know, my books, my this, my that, it was all just ask Marlene. So they would just ask Marlene and I didn't have the answer. So I started on the path. I did um, certification for aesthetics, uh, for LED light therapy, 
for acne care and a number of other skin-related um, issues. Uh, and in the process, I said, you know what? I, I, it's now before I open a med spa, I should work in one. Now, it was not that easy for me to get a job at a low level at a spa because they always thought I was trying to take over their business, given my background. But I, but I eventually got one and I stayed there four months, during which time I became uh, the kind of go-to person on products because no one else wanted to meet with the, with the skincare reps, but I did. And it was in the process of that, that I realized I, re I had a real interest and a real savvy for products that worked and didn't work. And um, that was how I found, I used, I leveraged my interest in Wilhelmina and ultimately ended up with um, development of a skincare line that I think of as different than any other. And it's called Gleam, G-L-E-E-M. My website is gleambeauty.com. And one of the things that's most most unique about my line is that it, it the, the base is organic grade, uh, organic pharmaceutical grade aloe vera. Now who cares whether it's aloe vera or water? Well, I learned a lot about that. While most products have water as the base, water just acts as a solvent, which means it just uh, breaks down the ingredients. Aloe vera as a water-based plant has water and can break down the ingredients, but also has about 200 vitamins, enzymes, etc., which act to help the skin and have their own characteristics, which feed into those of the other ingredients. So that's where I got. Can we talk very quickly about what um, you learned in a modeling agency. And I'm interested also in what you have to say about there were a bunch of guys running it. How come you weren't running it at any point? No women. So can we talk a little bit about what you learned there and what was so interesting about the modeling business? Sure. Um, what happened was at the modeling agency, I what the reason <laughs> the reason everything was called just ask Marlene was because I was the last stop. When my when my staff couldn't figure out how to do something, I would it was just ask Marlene. So you are the one that has to solve all the problems. Um, you know, I felt as if I didn't have a job other than solving other people's problems because everyone is your client. The clients are your clients. The models are your clients. You know, you can do no right uh, half the time because you're dealing with the other half. So um, now being a woman, it was interesting what happened when I went to do my deal with the then president, Dieter Esch, who I then became very, you know, we became very fond of each other. He was a great guy. Um, what happened was I had, I was new and I was just back to New York and was uh, living with my boyfriend who I moved back to live with. And um, we both went to the meeting with Dieter and he was, and Dieter was talking to my boyfriend. And at one point, 
I stood up and I said, I'm the one with the money. You should be talking to me. And what Dita laid, and, and Dita said to me, great, let's make a deal. And what, and he was a real deal maker. Um, and what Dita later said to me was that he liked me as from the moment I said that onward. So that, that was kind of cool. Uh, as far as what I learned, um, one of the things I learned was all of these beautiful women and men, while we think that because they're so attractive and so smooth, that they don't have the same insecurities that we have, but they do. And so that was one thing that I learned at the agency but it's just a job. At some point you have to remember it's just a job and not get so, I was always just so involved with everyone's problems, everyone's, you know, everyone's everything. You know, you're everyone's psychiatrist. Um, but one thing that I really loved about the job was that I was always the first stop when people found out they had breast cancer whether it was the person themselves or their mother or their grandmother, people knew I had breast cancer. I had had breast cancer. It was something I was very open, open about. And I was always the point of the first stop. And I may never have heard from those people again, but it was a way for me to give back. And, um, when you when you have had a condition like that, you can say things about it that no one else can say. So so that was um, that was always very heartwarming to me. Um, also, I learned how to say no in in a thousand different ways. Um, uh, if someone brought like for example, if someone brought a baby, you you would always say, "Oh, what a baby." whether they were beautiful or ugly or whatever. Um, why there were no women heading up the agency? Well, that's an interesting thing to say because the point is that at other will, well, you had to have the money to buy it. I had the money to buy in. They were not my boss, they were my partner. And when they became, when they acted like my boss was when we ran into problems because some of these guys thought they could do whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, and that didn't fly with me. So at some point after 18 years, um, you know, I felt like I put my time in and it was time to move on. Hi, everybody. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, founder of Covey Club and of this podcast. Sometimes we choose our reinventions. Sometimes our reinventions choose us. But one reinvention that every woman over the age of 40 will have to deal with eventually is the bodily changes that come from perimenopause and menopause. Because some changes your body goes through are really bothersome, I want to introduce you to Covey Club sponsor, Kindra. Kindra makes estrogen-free products for women like us. Their core supplement includes a clinically studied super antioxidant, pycnogenol, that supports healthy circulation, goodbye hot flashes and night sweats, 
and mental clarity. So long brain fog and skin suppleness. Ashwagandha reduces stress and boosts libido. If you're suffering from vaginal dryness, and frankly, who isn't? The daily vaginal lotion and applicator will solve your issues. The Featherlight formula has ultra hydrating extracts, including coconut oil, sunflower and safflower seed oil, and moisture loving humectants. It's a kinder bestseller. So as we go into this hectic season of holiday madness, why not take one reinvention issue off your plate by trying Kindra? Covey listeners can get a special 20% off any product when they use the code COVEY20 at checkout. The vaginal lotion is risk-free. You can return it within 30 days if you're not seeing results. So now back to the show. So talk about the beauty business now. What are you learning? What are you applying that came from your previous? Well, the thing I love about Gleam is that I feel like I'm leveraging everything I ever knew about anything and, and then some. And when the then some is learning, because I was never in production, <laughs> except on a shoot, you know, I was never uh, a manufacturer of anything. So there are a whole set of new skills. Um, but it was interesting because um, my investor was here and I was interviewing some, they were interviewing me actually, or about um, there was an opportunity to sell to, um, to airports and he just said to me at some point you just took control of that of that interview and um you were the ceo you know it was clear that you developed those skills and you can take those skills wherever you go and when i asked him when i spoke to him this morning i told him i was going to have this interview and i said what do you think i should talk about and he said to me I think you should talk about the fact that every morning when I talk to you, you have a goal, whether the goal is personal, whether the goal is for the business, for another business, for something specific, you know, it's just in your nature, you always have a mission and that's what keeps you going. And that's what makes you successful at whatever you do. Is that something you develop, Marlene, or is that just your personality that you get up with a goal? Are you conscious of that? No, I didn't know the first thing about it until he told me. But it is something that is very positive and everyone should consider it. Everyone should, if, if, it's, a, if it's not natural, which it is for me, I find out, I never even knew I did that. Um, you know, you should write down every day. You know, this is my goal for today. Maybe it's to find the jars for your product. Maybe it's to find the phone number, you know, how to contact the guy who you really want to work for. Um, and that's something else I wanted to say. I remember um, there were a couple of different people that I ultimately hired who pursued me, not in an, in an aggressive, annoying way, but just like, hey, I'm the best one for the job. Why haven't I heard from you? And in fact, that was someone who I ended up hiring who worked for me till the day I left. You know, I basically handed her my business. 
Um, I got a nice um, a nice buyout, and I wanted her to um, to go to the next step with what we had created together. How do you do that nicely? And can you still do that in this world? Because I mean, that's the very old, um, I think it was Mencken, or I can't remember, it was Mencken or Mark Twain who wanted to work, maybe it was Mark Twain, desperately wanted to work at the local newspaper and just kept pursuing the editor until he finally got hired there. Can you still do that today? And what is the trick to that? Because that's a wonderful story. Yes, I believe you can still do it today. I believe that it takes creativity. It takes confidence, maybe even confidence that you don't really have, but that you have to show. And uh, it takes dictativeness. You know, when someone wants to recreate themselves, it's not easy. You know, it is not an easy thing to do. And you have to stick with it, whatever it is, whether it's changing jobs, changing careers, changing industries, you have to stick to it. You have to go to all the, you know, you have to go to the conference and after the conference, walk up to the speaker and say, you know, I admire you. I love what you've said. I'm hoping there might be an opportunity to talk to you further about X, Y, and Z or to be in contact with you about this idea I have, or, you know, just one of the things is um, I'm a little bit fearless. Uh, for people that aren't fearless, it might be, um, you know, a more, a more subtle way. You might just want to get in touch with their assistant and work through the assistant or work through someone else and get your foot in the door that way. You know, it's amazing what I think so many people have the need for something personal as opposed to everything being, you know, kind of an AI situation where you're never dealing with a person. You're dealing with something that sounds like a person, but it's fake. So let's get real. How do you become fearless? I think that's a good, a good question. Because I think everybody's afraid. What I what I tell people when they say like, you know, should I reach out to somebody? Should I send them an email? I'm like, here's the good news and the bad news. If they don't respond, they'll never remember <laughs> that you reached out. So you can just reach out again. I mean, you know, so much stuff is coming at people right. that I feel, especially in this world, I don't know if you feel that, that you should just go ahead and do it. Send it, make the call. You know, everybody's worried about being too much of a pest or about trying too hard. Um, I don't know that that's a problem today. What's your feeling on that? No, I don't think, I wanted to interview, I was writing a wellness book, which is still in the works. And I wanted to interview uh, Reed Hoffman. Among other things, he's the one that invented um, that created LinkedIn. And he was one of the heavy hitters in the in the Bill Gates days in Silicon Valley. Anyway, you know, I just wrote to him and his his secretary wrote back to me and said he doesn't have the time. Now, not having the time in this instance meant no. You know, so I wrote back and said, well, you know, da 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 da. And he kept saying no. And ultimately he said yes. Just because I persisted. I mean, I persisted over the course of a year. How many times did you write before you got the yes? 
I probably wrote five times. And sometimes I just wrote with a joke to tell you the truth. I have an app that's, you know, that gives me the joke of the day. And I would write, you know, just saying hi, you know, and here's the joke of the day. Like there were no rules, you know. And that re he responded to that. That was when was this? And is this messaging or you're sending letters? Are you no, sending I'm letters sending, or I'm, email? No, this was actually through his secretary. Through, so you're making the secretary laugh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. That's a good tactic. Secretary I, of those kinds of people have a lot of power. Right. That's true. Always, I always thought make friends with the assistant. You never know. Yeah. They're the gate. They don't call They're them the gatekeeper. For nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's talk about from your history and experience. I mean, you really segued from one thing to the other. Very seems like fairly seamlessly. Yeah. And of course, we know it's never seamless. Right. It's a lot more never. painful, hard, and oftentimes you're left wandering in the wilderness trying to figure out what's next. Absolutely. What would you say for reinventing? If you know if people see themselves aligned with you and kind of your mindset, you know, what two or three tips would you give them about, you know, what you should do to actually make a reinvention like yours come true? Well, no, I don't think people think of it as a reinvention. That was never what I thought of because that sounds really hard to do. I always saw it as a next step. Because for me, a next step is close. It's easy. A reinvention sounds overwhelming. And it might not work. And when I saw things weren't working, I went to the next step. So I think uh, what I would say is, a reinvention can often be a lot of steps to get there. I feel like now I am someplace again. I'm the happiest I've been in a long time because I'm settled in what I do every day. I have, I mean, I, you know, I, I have a lot of positive. Also, that's another thing is having a lot of positive people around. You know, I'm old enough and successful enough so I don't have to have anyone around that I don't want. That is really says a lot. Um, and that only comes with time, you know, and experience and age. <laughs> so you have the wrinkles to show for it, but it's a little different than you're 30, when you're 30 years old and they're downsizing. Um, do you go to the, you know, the head of uh hq or whatever they call it hr and um say no i really like this company and i know that you guys are downsizing but is there another place in the company for me i've always wanted to be an x y or z knowing that there is space there and in fact they're hiring people you know or going to someone at a party and saying you know I've always admired the kinds of things you guys do. You think there might be some room for me in the next month or so. You know, that, that, that's, that's one of the things I would suggest. Because to me, it's about people. 
not about institutions. Was there any time that you had to sort of pick yourself up from an abject failure? Well, I never saw it as a failure. I saw it as a step along the way. And none of this is easy. As, as you said, none of this is easy. It's not like a, a day in the park. I mean, every day is frustrating until you get where you're really happy and really um, on top of, of, the, of your game. For me, what it really was, was finding a place where I could leverage all of my experience. My experience raising money, which I did for the IPO and I did for myself. My experience in management, which I really developed. I mean, I was at Wilhelmina for 17 and a half years. So it's fair to say between managing my staff and managing my, my models and managing the talent and man, you know, managing, that's what that was about. So each step along the way, I think that I learned or I just naturally had to focus on something different because something different was what was called for. Does that answer your question? Yes. No, that's interesting. So, yeah, and I think it's a mindset. I think, you know, I think people are very afraid of failure, but I like the idea of it just looking at it as a step. And if that step doesn't work out, you're not right. looking at your reinvention as a failure. You're right. just going to the next step. Exactly. I exactly. think that's a really very interesting way to look at it. Is there anything else that you would like our listeners to understand about your process of reinvention that would help them with what they're trying to accomplish? Yes, the, the most important thing is um, it is not easy. It is hard. And if you think it's easy, you're never going to succeed. These are hard steps to take. They're hard steps to create, you know, to think of, to create. And don't be hard on yourself when you're when one day you don't feel like it. Go shopping, get your nails done. I hate to be sexist about it, but I do find those things to be a relief. Watch a movie, get out of your head. You know, I think part of it is I've been working day and night, but I'm used to this. You know, I'm I as I I don't know if you guys have seen this article that was recently uh, a profile that was re recently written, but I, I said, you know, some people at over 60 work because of they have to some people I work because it's my calling. I love what I do. I love creating these things. I'm not a painter, although I was recently in a, in a, in an art show. I'm not a painter. I'm not a musician, although I know how to play the piano, but I am someone who loves to create. And for me, creating every day is what I do. Awesome, Marlene. That's a great way to end. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. So I hope you enjoyed meeting Marlene Wallach. And I love the fact that she can go from category to category just using 
her talents and applying them to different kinds of businesses. It's exactly what we're talking about in this podcast, that you can strip away and strip down those things that you do well in one place and transport them over to another area. So I hope that you find this inspirational and I hope you can use her tips and tricks. And I hope you'll sign up for the podcast and listen to all of our uh, podcasts that we have for you. I hope you'll also come over to the Covey Club, check out what we're doing. We have an awful lot about reinvention. We have a wonderful takeaway for you that's free, which is called 31 Badass Tips for Launching Your Reinvention Without Fear. You can log that into the the uh, connect area of our site. When you go to the nav bar, just pull down the connect part and you'll see it pop up. That's for you. It's free. And I hope you'll listen to all the other things that we do at Covey Club. We really want to help you move to that next phase of life seamlessly and find your bliss. That's my goal. So this was really fun talking with Marlene today, and I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you'll mosey on over to Covey Club. See you next time.